Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Can you believe it? White Wine Question Time is playing live in the West End of London at the Leicester Square Theatre and we would love you to come and join us. Come and raise a glass on the 13th of November. We've got the cast of Dumb Breeding. Joining me on stage will be Julie Graham, Alison Newman, Tracy Ann Oberman, Tamsin Outhwaite, Angela Griffin and Denise Welsh. We'll be raising our glasses from four till six. Why not come and pop your court with us? Tickets are available now from Ticketmaster, Live Nation, wherever you get your tickets. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. My guest this week is a singer who hit the ground running in 2006 with a chart-topping debut album, Undiscovered, that sold 1.5 million copies, winning him a Brit Award for Best British Male a year later. Almost 15 years on, with many hits, albums, sold-out tours, 7 million record sales and half a billion streams under his belt, he's about to release a newly worked Greatest Hits album, celebrating his career to date. But the path he's travelled hasn't always been an easy one. His childhood in rugby was hard and, well, poverty-stricken. His father, an alcoholic, left when he was four, leaving his mother penniless and struggling to raise their four children. After leaving school, he busked and worked as a carpet fitter before he found success hard and fast in 2006. And then, just as he was top of his game, he seemingly disappeared and his voice fell silent, following the death of his father, then brother and then nephew in close succession. At the same time, he and his wife Jill had just become parents to their daughter Elsie, but suffered multiple miscarriages before their second daughter Ada Rose was born just three years ago, worryingly premature. It was a time of mixed emotions and he became something of a recluse for a while, holed up at his home in the Cotswolds, dealing with the emotional fallout of it all. Ultimately though, it was his love as a father that pulled him out the other side and he returned to making music with albums in 2015 and 2019. Before this, queuing up to release his greatest hits. I'm really looking forward to talking to him. So let's dial up James Morrison. James Morrison. Hello. Sitting pretty in what looks like an attic. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Luckily, I'm not locked up here. <laughs> <laughs> I can still get back down. <laughs> I'm speaking to you at, in your, your home in the lovely Cotswolds, aren't I? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, a, it's probably one of the best moves that I ever did, to be fair. I love it. You're not, you're not from there, are you? No, I was born in rugby um, in the Midlands, and then I moved to I moved to Cornwall when I was about eleven, twelve. Mm. So I kind of I I, I say I, I'm from Cornwall just because that's where I felt like I was at home. But I'm actually from rugby. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I like being in nature. I like being either near the sea or in the countryside because I was always brought up in towns. So how did you end up where you are now? Um, I literally just put my finger on the map. Um, no, you didn't. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just kind. Of, I was. I'd been recording in Bath, doing some recording with um, Peter. Yeah, got, Peter Gabriel's got a studio. Mm. Um, it's lush. Very famous studios. Yeah, and there was like, and it was just a really nice experience. So I remember going there, and I thought it was near the Cotswolds, and I was just about to have a kid, um, and I just thought I want to live somewhere where the nature is is like big. Uh, around us. Big vibe on the nature. Yeah, because <laughs> I think it grounds you. Mm. You know, anytime I used to go camping when I was a kid, it just grounds you as a person. Or like, if you've got loads of stuff going on, 
mean, it's not for everyone. <laughs> I'm not saying camping is for everyone. But for me personally, like lighting a fire, making your own bed and your tent or whatever just makes me feel like I'm grounded to the planet. Uh, and I make better decisions when I'm like that. Well, you're, you're definitely not camping now. No, not at the minute. No, no. Not with these bad boys. <laughs> Tell me, how, what was it like trying to... Because I, being from that part of the country, obviously there's lots of people that come in from the outside to because it's a beautiful part like of the me. world. Were you warmly <laughs> embraced? Um, yeah, actually. Weirdly. Um, I first moved dinner, like within two weeks, people knew that I lived here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was quick. Like, I didn't realise how quick it would be. I just thought I could slip into the countryside. No one would really know. Uh, but luckily, everyone around here is kind of, um, they're quite down to earth, you know? It's like, oh, a, super a friendly and helpful, are, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that's kind of why, why I like nature. I think it brings out the best in people. You know, if you go Cornwall or you go Wales or Scotland or Ireland, any of those sort of Celtic places, or even where just where there's nice countryside, I just think people are they've got a bit more time for each other. Yeah, you know they're not in such a rush. No, I mean when I come home, I notice that I by the time I leave, I talk slower and walk slower. Yeah, yeah, everyone drives slow. Oh my god, yeah! When you turn up like a London <laughs> driver, sixty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also I love the fact, like for example, if you broke down in the side of a road in the country, uh, in, yeah. yeah, around those parts, around those parts, mm. um, yeah, somebody dri- somebody wouldn't just drive by; they would stop and ask if you needed no. help. But it's just it's, yeah. those, it's those gentle tweaks in mentality that make such a difference, isn't it? That's an important thing, I think, yeah. in society to feel like. To get reminded that that people are actually helping each other mm. is a massive thing to me, yeah. you know, and that's kind of why I like living somewhere quiet because you know everyone. You sort of know a lot more people. When I lived in Brighton, I didn't know anyone, and I lived in Brighton, London, in in West London, busy West London, you know. So I, it's like I, I've made more friends living somewhere where it's less populated <laughs> yeah. than I did when I was in London. <laughs> I think. We're still too shy or something. It's like, if people say hello, you're just mental. <laughs> you know, they just think, he what? must be off his head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of thinking, no, he's just being courageous. Oh, or courteous. It's not even, yeah. it's, you don't have, you know, it doesn't take great bravery, does it, just it, to go, hi, it, how are you? I think it, I think it does. Do it you? does take bravery. Yeah, I think to say, especially if you're someone who's, who's shy, or to say... You know, to complete stranger, hey, are you all right? You look nice today. Or whatever, something nice. It's hard to say. People don't say it very often. Um, but living here definitely helps. People are actually good. And they do ask you questions, so they do care. Uh, and all that stuff. I think it just gets washed out in the cities because everyone's so busy, you know, and they forget to sort of connect. And I think during the time that it has been through the pandemic, I've seen a lot of things that are really uplifting spiritually uh, that are, you know, just examples of people being good to each other Mm. that you don't always see. Well, I think that's why it's called humankind. We forget. Yeah, nice. (laughs) Ah, Do you know what? That was poetic, James. That was good. I mean, if you want me in the studio to help with lyrics, let me know, yeah? I've got you on my list. (laughs) Now, are you ready for your first question? Yeah, no worries, yeah. I wanted to start with something musical. Okay. And I wondered if you could name for me three go-to songs that never fail you, depending on what mood or state of mind you're in. So for for the first one, I'd like to know, what's the song that makes your heart sing? Uh, that makes the there's so many. Um... There's probably a you know a seventy percent seventy percent chance that the song will be a Stevie Wonder song. Um, ah, from which album? I just love Stevie Wonder. I think songs of the key of life, mm. uh, loves in need of love today. Just yeah, so just the way the intro comes in. <laughs> it still well, gets the BVs, but they're all his BVs, right? <laughs> it's so good. And what are the opening lyrics? Good morning, good morning, evening, friends. 
Here's a friendly announcement. So good. It's like it's like the sort of hospital radio love radio DJ. That's what it makes me think of when he sings that song. Like he's announcing, like, come on, guys, it's late night love. Listening in, ringing, we need some love. <laughs> Love's but, in lead of love today. Yeah, yeah, I just love that song. I think the harmonies in it are amazing and it just always makes me feel good. Yeah, I like that song. You can't, you can't not feel good with Stevie Wonder, can you? Well, I no, can't not feel I just good. think he's, he's just, there's something about his voice that um, does something to me that not really, not very many people can do, you know. There's like Michael Jackson... Stevie Wonder, um, Marvin Gaye, Otis Redding, Van Morrison, Cat Stevens. There's loads of people, key people to me that I like. Um, you know, just just people that have helped me become a singer. Um, and Stevie Wonder is definitely one of them. I don't know what I've taken from him. Maybe it's his fra- like I try and play with phrases, you know, like so that you're not stuck on a melody. Um, you know, you can change it. And I think that's what he does really well. He can sing something totally different one day and sing it the next another completely different way. And his ad-libs are almost like melodies as well. Yeah. Um, and I just love that about him. And he's pure. He does it for the right reasons. Yeah. And, you know, I suppose it's something that I want to aspire to be. I want to... I, I aspire to be like that. I aspire to try and make music that moves people but still maintain who I am as a person and uh, and still try and create something amazing, but not get big-headed about it. So when you take your musical Prozac, Love's mm. in Need of Love today, let's call it that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, what does it, and who does it make you think of? Uh, it just reminds me of when um, I lived in Cornwall. Uh, it was right before the time that I met my girlfriend, um, well, my missus I'm with now who I had all my children with. Um, it was before I met her. Uh, and I used to play it a lot, the whole album a lot. And I was learning all the songs. So then when she moved in, I started <laughs> I started singing all the, all the songs off that album to her, like, um, Knocks Me Off My Feet. I used to sing that to her. Uh, I used to love that song. I still love that song. I love yeah. that song. There's so many really good songs. Yeah, and even, and even As, As is as As. You know, it's an amazing As is tune. beautiful. So yeah, yeah. I, was playing, I was playing all of that stuff on acoustic guitar. So it, it reminds me of when I met her and me just trying to, <laughs> me just serenading the corridor, hoping she'd pop out. <laughs> so what, she lived next door to you or you? Uh, she moved in as a lodger. To? With her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> to where? Where you were living? Uh, to my mum's house, yeah. No! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she moved in with her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, he was massive. <laughs> he was like... He was massive. He was six. This just gets worse. Yeah, and I was 17. No! I was, se- I was 17 and he, he was like 32 or something. No. Um, and he was six. Two, was I? <laughs> and massive. how tall are you? I'm 5'10". <laughs> I'm like, all right, John. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't the easiest um, start, but I, I still see it as like a really romantic thing, you know, like I'm not very romantic. I'm not like an easy, like, oh, I love romance, but I do find certain things romantic and the fact that we met each other the way we did, uh, I always find like, a, it's like a little fairy tale or something so you sang john off the scene and your yeah. way into her heart via stevie wonder and an yeah. acoustic guitar that's it that's it that's how i got her. i mean in terms of like a david and goliath moment david you did well yeah but he got me back i think he got me back um I think he ended up that my mum rang me one day and she said, um, oh, I'm out, I'm out. Uh, and I was living in Derby at the time, which is where they're from. And uh, my mum said, oh, I'm out on a date. I wonder if you could pick me up. I said, where are you? And she said, oh, I'm at John's house. And I was like, John's house? Who's John? And she was like, you know, Jill's John. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey. So I had to go and pick her up, my mum up. 
from my ex, well, you know, my girlfriend's ex's house, and it was the most awkward thing. She ever. wasn't on a date with John, was she? Well, that's kind of what she said, but I didn't like the fact that she said that. So I was like, no, nah, it's not a date, they're just hanging out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's awkward. It's one of those moments where you're like, this can't be happening. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if that is what he did, he snookered you. You know what? He is a strapping dude. He is a strapping dude. He was a massive guy. Girls loved him, you know. He was like a proper manly, rugged, manly man, you know. Um, yeah, So, and he was funny as well. So give him credit where it's where credit's due. He, uh, yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy, really. They just didn't. They weren't right together. That was all. I just pointed it out by my um, my singing. When you say they, do you mean Jill and John or your mum and John? Yeah, that's it. Well, both. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never let that. Happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. So an auspicious start, really. And do you really yeah. think it was the power of the serenading of Stevie Wonder songs that, that got you there? Yeah, because um, her dad is a musician. Uh, and so it's like one of those subconscious things where she was like, oh, you sing? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, my dad loves singing. And I was like, oh, cool. So we had like, we just had a connection straight away, really. Um, but I had, to, I had to wait like two years to find out if uh, what I thought I felt was real. Yeah, because right. I, I, I wasn't going out with her for like the first year or so she lived there. She was with her boyfriend, so I was getting to know her. Um, yeah, and, that, and, and I didn't want to tell her that I, I, I fell in love with her the first moment I set eyes on her because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know. I'd never felt in love before. So I don't really oh. know if if it was that, um, yeah. So it, it it was like a massive moment for me to even tell her that I liked her. Yeah, I love this love story because <laughs> you know what? No one could have predicted that, right? No, no, no. I didn't know. So how long between sort of John clearing off and you stepping in was it? I think it's about three months. <laughs> Uh, long enough to like long enough for there to be a bit of space, but short enough for him to question what the hell was going on. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Well, you know what? You you made a good choice because you're I still did. together all these years on. That's right, that's what I always think. I'm like, well, you know, it might not have been right for them, but you know, it was right for me and he's obviously, you know, he's obviously gone and found someone else and, and done the right thing what he should have done with his life and spent it with someone else. So, yeah, it worked out for all of us. <laughs> okay, so that, that's the song that makes your heart sing. Yeah. What's, what's the go-to song for you if you want to dance? If I want to dance? Oh, my God. Even just saying that makes me want to puke a little bit. Are <laughs> <laughs> you not a dancer? I'm just, I, I can dance when the music's right. Uh, yeah, like I don't know. I don't really dance. I'm more just sort of, <laughs> more just sort of geese. Uh, I'd say that anything, is. anything like sort of, you know, uh, I like nineties sort of hip hop actually. Uh, yeah. Parties. I put on a lot of nineties hip hop from like Dr. Dre or Snoop or all the old school stuff. Uh, but I love that tune by Nas um, called "Get Down." Uh, and it's like a sample of James Brown's song, yeah, the, bo yeah, yeah, the yeah. boss, uh, which I love anyway. Like if I'm put, if I'm having a house party and I want to do a slow mo walk in, like I put on the boss. Paid the cost to be the boss. I was like, Doo -doo 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 -doo. it's such a good tune. Um, <laughs> but then I heard Naz's version of it, and he does a rap on the top, and it's it's amazing. I just put on F that and jump by the House of Pain. Oh, uh, yeah. Jump I, still, I still put that on. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It never gets old to me. You know, certain songs like that. Or like Edie Kamosi, The Hot Stepper. Yeah. It can't yeah, be yeah. that stepper. I still love well, that. <laughs> I still really like Shakademus and Pliers. <laughs> yeah, tease me, tease me, tease me, baby. It's so good. I love, I love all those sort of, um, you know, yeah, like nostal nostalgic sort of tunes. My final uh, song choice from you. 
What's the song you always go to when you feel sad? Um, there's a few. There's a few. Uh, it depends, really. Like, I normally get sad. I normally get sad about, like, my dad or if my mum's in mm. trouble, but there's not, like, one... Or, there's, like, there's like certain songs that I know will make me... Like, if, if my mum wasn't here now, the song I would put on that would make me cry my fucking eyes out um, would be Into the Mystic by Van Morrison. Yeah. Um, I just love that song. It makes me get emotional anyway, um, but it reminds me of my mum cleaning. And it sounds stupid, but when we were kids, she, like, she used to do like a spring clean every like once or twice a year, and she'd always be hating it. <laughs> but she put that song on, and uh, yeah, and it just reminds me of sunny days and my mum sort of being happy around the house, sort of just getting on with her things. Yeah, but the the, the, the one with my dad, there, uh, there's a few, but the, there's there's how can you mend a broken heart? by Al Green. I love that song. It's so wistful, isn't it? It's so good. And I didn't really know it was a Bee Gees song either. I didn't know that. Yeah. Those Gibb brothers, they're everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, I used to hate them when I was a kid. I didn't didn't get it. I was like, (laughs) and you're going to sing hi. (laughs) See, I think they're amazing. They are amazing. They really are amazing. They've got so many good songs. There's a brilliant documentary. It was just nominated for them, it. actually. It's brilliant. Oh, it's so good. It's so good, isn't it? Yeah. And I, can we just take a minute to acknowledge that in his day, Barry Gibb was quite the pinnacle. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Wasn't looking, he? Yeah, he was a good-looking bloke. Yeah. yeah, good-looking bloke. Just but that, ca- that catalogue of music yeah. is just... Stunning. Yeah, amazing. There is so much diversity in what they do. And the fact yeah. that they're able to just write for other artists as well. Yeah, amazing. Um, even to like Chain Reaction, um, Diana Ross. Was yeah, I know. It's like, I just find fascinating that they wrote a lot of songs specifically for that artist. And then that artist has ended up recording the songs. I think that's, that's quite a commendable thing. That they've been able to achieve that like five times over with, Celine Dion or, you know, whoever it is, you know, yeah. But I just, I always, um, I've always liked that song, Massachusetts as well. I like that song. Yeah, so sad. Um, But yeah, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? That's a good tune. And that's, is that that something that that soundtracks you and your dad for you? Um, Or Simply Beautiful, which is sort, it's just one of those songs that, um, musters up those emotions whether I'm thinking about my dad or not. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. (laughs) 
Okay, are you ready for your next question? Yes. Okay, my next question is about success and how, in some cases, i.e. that of a multi-million selling pop star, yeah. um, it allows and affords you to do wonderful, beautiful things. Yes. And I was researching this interview and came across the story um, about, uh, first and foremost, I know that you're, you know, your, your childhood was difficult in terms of <laughs> yeah. there was no money. Yeah, that's standard. <laughs> Yeah, your mum was beyond skin, wasn't she? Yeah, we was, we had a hard time, yeah. You famously recounted that one Christmas you got an orange and a packet of felt tips. Which is still better than nothing. Exactly, but <laughs> it, 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 it paints a picture. Yeah. So, having grown up with next to no money, when you then yeah. become successful, you said you were initially very careful with money, afraid it would yeah. disappear and mm. go as fast as it had come in. But... After your dad passed away, you had a massive rethink yeah. and you you had a big spend up. Can you tell me what you bought, who for and how it felt? Um, yeah, well, basically after my dad died, I just thought um, I need to dream bigger. I was like, life's too short to be playing it safe. You know, like if I thought, I thought if I die tomorrow, I'd be playing it way too safe. Um so I just thought, what is the biggest thing that I can dream of? You know, like, what's the biggest thing I think I'd never be able to achieve? And it was like always in my head when I was a kid was to have a house with like a swimming pool or something like that, or a big garden, or um, I haven't got a swimming pool. That's not happened yet. But I've got a nice pond. <laughs> um, yeah, but but I just I just thought I, I wanted to try and give my family something that would have been unachievable um, when I was a kid. Yeah, I just wanted to give them what we all never had. And what was that? Like anything, <laughs> like well, you, money you, to you... do anything, to travel even was a mission, you know, like getting enough petrol money so you could go see your family or having enough food for the, for, for dinner. Like we, a lot of the times we never ate, we never had breakfast or lunch. You know, I used to go to school without breakfast on a regular basis. Um, and, 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 you know, until I got this free school lunches, I was just hungry all the time. Um, so I just wanted to give my family a base where, if all if everything's going wrong, they've always got a base to come to, you know, uh, in the countryside, somewhere nice, somewhere with a little bit of space and to be in nature. So that, yeah, I just wanted to give them that platform that I never had. So you bought them all houses. I did, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've regretted it ever since. No, I think that is, I mean, that, that's the stuff that you dream of, right? Yeah, Is that you can buy everyone you love a, a secure home in which yeah. they feel happy and loved and secure, especially when you've grown up with mad insecurity financially. Yeah, yeah, it was a massive thing to me. Um, but weirdly, I've had, I've had a weird journey with it. You know, it's not always been, it's not all been good. Um, with money, you mean? Yeah, it's brought me a lot of stress that I never thought I'd have to deal with. You know, in the beginning, when you haven't got any money uh, and you want to earn money, that's your goal. So it's like, the, you know, the money is like, not not the goal, but it's part of the process to get you to the goal, which is to have choices, isn't it? To have choices in life and to be able to make choices that you want to make, rather than going, I can't do that because I haven't got any money, or I can't go here because I can't afford it. Or, um, and that is part of life. Um, but there's part of me that was just like, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to put myself out there, put myself out on telly and sing from the heart and sing about things that are personal, I want to be living the best life I can be living, not some safe, secure sort of, um, you know, not dreaming as big as I could be dreaming, just to be safe. I just thought, well, I'm going to dream bigger than I've ever can imagine. And I'm going to go for that. So how did you start that process? Did you go and tell them? Did you buy the houses and then spring it on them? Uh, well, the first one that I bought was my mum's house. That was like a no-brainer. You know, um, we were brought up always with no money, like I say. 
Uh, and my mum was always like, oh, if I could ever pay the mortgage off, that would be a massive lifelong dream. So the first thing I did when I got my record money um, was buy a house. I bought it outright. I paid the mortgage off right and I phoned her. Wow, so I mean that's huge, James, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was a big moment. I was, I was, I was nearly crying. I was like, I had tears rolling down my eyes. You know, I was like, um, I've paid the house off, man. She was stoked. So you did you pay her mortgage off and buy yourself a house outright? Yeah, well, I paid her house off first. That was the first thing I did, and then I was renting a house uh, for at least the next five years. Um, yeah, the first thing I did was buy my mum's house, do it up for her and get her sorted. That was my number one goal because obviously that's my mum, you know, and I've been brought up with her um, where we were struggling for so long. And music, music, even from a young age, my mum used to get me to sing in bars and stuff to pay for the food. <laughs> She'd be like, my young lad sings, if he gets up, can we have free dinner? And they'd be like, um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, and I'll just start singing. And then she'd be like, you know, free dinners. <laughs> um, but that's yeah. tenacious, right? I mean, yeah, survival. It, I do remember it was like embarrassing. It was really embarrassing. You know, it's embarrassing anyway when you're 14 to get up in front of people and say anything, but to get up and sing while people are eating their dinner not knowing what's going on. They were looking at me like, who's this kid? <laughs> yeah, it was an awkward thing, but it was definitely character building. And I still always remember, you know, the fact that that's what it was like back then. You know, yeah. you eat, I, was, I, was, I was playing for my supper. <laughs> yeah. And, and then you went on to buy homes for your brother, your sister. Yeah. I did. Um, in fact, you bought, it, it, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, you'll know better than me how many houses you bought, but it, it totaled six in the end. I'd say that's probably about right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's massive, James. Yeah. To be able to, t- having struggled, <clears throat> I mean, you've just, told, you've just told me that, you know, you'd go to school more often than not without breakfast because it it just wasn't a meal your mum could afford. And then yeah. to be able to... To, to do this on the back of something you genuinely love. That yeah. must have been so emotional and amazing. Yeah, and it, yeah, it was. But then equally, it sort of makes you want to go, what else can I do? Yeah. Um, and that's where I've had to, that's where I've had to learn uh, a lot, actually. It's about where to draw the line between helping someone and... Um, Making them feel like they can't do it. It's a fine line. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Can imagine. It's been a difficult thing to learn because I never thought that generosity would be something that would bite me in the ass. I always thought being generous is a good thing. Uh, but you can be generous to the wrong people, you know. Um, and I and I have I have I have been generous to the wrong people over the years. You know, I've been out and I've got you know I'll go to a pub and someone will go. Hey, you're James Morrison. I'm like, you're right. And and then, oh, my auntie loves you, Helen. So I'm like, right, Helen, come here. Big bottle of champagne. I'm <laughs> like, getting them all drinks in. Like, I've spent five grand before on a bill for my hotel just because I was buying everyone drinks. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I that like, would bite you on the ass. Like, I said, oh, just say, just say James Morrison at the bar and they'll give you three drinks. And they're like, all right, cool. <laughs> and then I got up in the morning, it was like five grand bill. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, you know, it's like, I love being generous, but it's a fine line between being generous to make yourself feel good and being generous because you're being generous to help someone. You know, like I think in the beginning, I did want to feel like I was the hero. I wanted mm. to feel like I'm the hero. I saved my family. I bought more the house. I took us out of poverty. And then actually, I was, after the years gone by, I didn't want that. I didn't want to be a hero. I just wanted to be quietly, like, quietly just doing my bit to help them, you know. Not not trying to solve every single problem that gets thrown my way, you know. Um, and that's something I've had to learn. Something I've had to have therapy about. <laughs> really? Yeah. 
I've had to have therapy uh, in the last year or two. I've never had it. Um, and it's actually helped me a lot, really helped me a lot to organise my thoughts, organise the way my brain thinks. And no, I am susceptible to depression and I am susceptible to negative thoughts So because I'm sensitive to shit. So I need to stay on top of my um, my process, my thought processes and stay on top of my exercise and eating well. Otherwise, I go down here. <laughs> you know, I was, brought, I was brought up in it. So it's like it's like a black cloud that's always there. But equally, instead of trying to shut it away into a little box, I sort of get it out of the box, know it's there, and sort of leave it out and sort of know that there's this little thing in me that is dark, but I can live with it rather than trying to be this sunshine guy all the time, you know. It's learning to live alongside it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, shadow work. That's what they call it. <laughs> so her therapy's been a big help, yeah? Ooh. I'd say, yeah. Yeah, I never really... I didn't... I, you know, I'm quite good at psychology. Um, I can figure out why people do stuff and why things happen and why you react a certain way and stuff like that. Um, but... Doing it for yourself is something different, really. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to be able to look at it objectively, but but you're equally in it. So, yeah, it's t- it's t- it's took me a long time to realise a lot of things about myself I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just been quite informative, learning about why certain things trigger me to feel negative or positive, you know, and figuring out that has been a really massive tool in me of being able to keep myself positive. It's amazing, isn't it? Because all it is is talking. Yeah. And actually, yeah, sometimes just someone pointing out, like, maybe that's not a true thought. That's not a fact. That's just a thought. (laughs) But also, sometimes we just put thoughts out there and we don't question them. So for some people say, and why do you think you think that? Then you start to sort of unpack it. Yeah. And then you go, oh, what? What well, I never I used to that? do that. I never used to question any of my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I just take them on as like, that's a thought. It must be real. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I can differentiate between that's just a stupid idea and that's fact. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And also fact versus opinion. The line gets very blurred with those as well. You become yeah. so opinionated. You right. feel it's almost yeah. a fact. Well, no, it's, it's not. It's just yeah. a strong opinion. It's taken me a long time to be able to figure that out. You know, I think, and a lot of it is because uh, I signed a record deal when I was young. And so I didn't really have to deal with any of that psychology stuff for so long. You know, like my, my distractions were being on tour, having hit singles and like being on telly and all of that stuff. And then, and actually when I got into like years and years of it and I got home from the tour and all the touring was finished and no one's there and I'm taking my bins out. I'd be like, all this dark stuff would be swimming around in my head. And I'm like, ah! So, yeah, I had to sort of deal with that. Um, and now I feel like I'm much better than I was. So I feel like I'm way more able to deal with criticism. Uh, you know, if someone says to me now, Oi, mate, I don't like your music. And I'm just, I'm give two fucks. <laughs> I don't care. It's like, good. You're like, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Like, what do you like? You know, I don't, I yeah. don't mind so much. Would that, would that have wounded you before? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd have been gutted. I'd have been like, not crying, but I'd have been like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm really upset. Um, whereas now, don't really feel that. That's good. Mm. Mm. You're a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always work in progress. <laughs> okay, are you ready for your third and final question? Why not? I was born ready. <laughs> You're releasing your greatest hits, but in terms of the moments from your life and or life experiences, what would qualify amongst your own personal greatest hits? Um, I mean, you know, 
But sorting out my family has been a massive thing. Mm. I'm not gonna un- I'm not gonna underplay that. Uh, Don't. It's massive. It's a brilliant thing. You know, it would have been crap if you'd had all that money and not done it. Yeah. So that would yeah. that would have been a bit like <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to live with myself. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's been an amazing thing. An amazing thing. To be able to, you know, help your family out on such a level that's like, so, you know, we all knew what it was like. And so by me doing that, they knew what I was trying to do by doing that. Um, and I just feel like that was a massive thing for me. But equally, uh, my, my daughter, when my, my three-year-old was born, um, the whole pregnancy was really difficult and she nearly didn't make it. Um, she was so premature, James, wasn't she? Yeah, she was, yeah, she was 30 weeks early. Uh, she weighed one pound eleven. She was really, it was touch and go whether she was going to be all right, you know. Um, and and how I handled that year is something that I'm really proud of. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just took took control of the house. I had to do washing and stuff. I had to like, and I'd never. I'm not really, you know. I do everything else. I'm just not very good at washing. Um, so I was like, right, I need to learn how to do washing. So I was like, I did that. And I was taking the kids to school and picking them up and doing the meals and doing all the stuff that you would normally do because I'm working. But it really made me feel like a massive appreciation, not only for what she does, but how hard it is to look after a kid at home. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, because I'd always be like, she's just looking after the kids. I'm doing the work or whatever. And I'd get home. And, and when I lived that year, I was like, shit, man, this is hard work. <laughs> doing all the washing and the school runs and like right you've got dance club uh, and all this yeah. parody stuff that I didn't really know about you know yeah. and I, and so, oh got, Thursday's a funky jazz don't yeah, forget yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> all the stuff you have to remember for schools mm. like the cooking things they're doing and, and on top of that going to the hospital twice a day taking our food and doing all that stuff yeah it, it was definitely something I didn't think I'd be able to do um I didn't think I was strong enough. So I was, yeah. But I came through that year, year and a half, feeling like I'd really um, done my bit to make sure I took one for the team. Like it was hard. I didn't, I didn't really um, show Jill any emotion about my fears. You know, um, I just kept that bottled up and tried to present the positives. And like, we're going to get through this, it's going to be all right. And I'd quietly, like, I'd sort of cry away, like, scared that I didn't know what I was doing. But when I got through it, and we got through it, we got a lovely little three year old, she's as strong as an ox. You'd never know anything was wrong with her. I'm just really pleased that I kept my level head. And, um, but what it came down to is accepting it. Uh, I just accepted the reality that it was going to, it might be really hard reality that we're going to be living, you know. What, what, if, what were you looking at, James, in terms of... Well, that? I just didn't know the outcome. They told me she was going to have cerebral palsy. She's going to be blind. She's going to be, she could be deaf. She might be dumb. All these different things that they didn't really know what was going on. So I, I just accepted, okay, however she comes, she comes. And I'll, you know, and I'm, I'll be ready. So, yeah, to get that, that whole period of time was probably the most difficult time in my life. Um, but to come through it, felt like all the music just seemed like an amazing, fun thing. It didn't seem like this big career thing. It just felt like I'm making music because that's what I do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've had a Perspective, time, so, right? Yeah, just having a little bit of perspective on actually singing for a job is fun. And, uh, you know, uh, if, 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 if you're feeling anything else about it, you're taking it too seriously. Well, yeah, but you, you have to sometimes kind of, you know, ride the rapids of yeah. uh, being a pop star to get to that point, right? Yeah. And you'd done that. You'd, you'd, you'd you know, you'd hit the ground running. You'd, you'd had periods of difficulties with your own personal life where you retreated yeah. for a while. And also, you know, the music industry you joined is not the one that it is today. We no. don't talk about <laughs> CD sales. We talk no. about streams. Yeah, and, that's right. You know, yeah, totally different world now. Um, it is, which is nice to actually see it going through that transition. You know, to be there yeah. at the start when it was still CDs and um, MySpace 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, I, I like the fact that I'm still, I'm still doing it, you know, I, and I don't care on what level, you know, as long as I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Um, you know, if, if, if I'm enjoying what I do and it brings me a hit, then great. If it doesn't, it's fine. I'm, I'm more, I'm more, um, sort of so stoked and pleased in my, in my soul that I'm doing something that I love for a living. That is something I'm proud of, you know. Yeah. Um, to do something you love for a living, you know, like you're, you know, you're using your own personality and your own skills as a person to get a job. And do something that you love doing. And, and I'm glad that I invested in that early on. Yeah. You know, even if I, I mean, wasn't signed artist to be a musician and earn money from it, that was always my goal. Really. That's the win, isn't it? You know, mm. if you think back to when we were at school, sat in front of some, you know, in my case, really not very present uh, careers advice officer. <laughs> what did they say to you? Be a typist. Oh, nice. I said I wanted to be a journalist. They said, have you thought about... See, in, in Cheltenham, the big employer um, out of the factories was Eagle Star Insurance. They were like, have right. you thought about Eagle Star? There's a typing <laughs> You do look good in glasses, though. Thanks. You've got but I still, I'm still not... I've, uh, could you imagine? Like, I mean, that shows you how old I am, James, because typists <laughs> don't actually exist as a profession anymore, do they? Oh, no. Unless they're in court. Shit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but I think if you know, if you'd have said to your younger self, you know, we were asked as your younger self, what is it that you want from your adult life to do something every day that you love and get paid for it? Yeah, I mean, that's that, punchy. That's a good goal, isn't it? Yeah, it's the best, right? Yeah. So don't let don't let the nuances of the politics of it all ever discourage yeah. us from the fact that actually we still do something we love every day and somebody pays us for it that's right and even if you can't do something you love and earn money from it if you're doing something that you love Great. that can be enough to get you through the work you know yeah and music was always my thing that i had to get me through the work you know like when i was a valet and i was washing vans six days a week and getting paid nothing uh i used to take my guitar into work and i played i played my guitar at lunchtime and they all used to take the piss out of me and call me Coldplay. So like, <laughs> <laughs> like Chris um, Yeah, so I used to still do that. I still used to take my guitar in anyway. Coldplay uh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Oi, Coldplay, no one cares. It's a tough crowd. Yeah, tough crowd, yeah. But then, but then, you know, obviously when I made it, they're all quite quick to be like, oh, we're best friends. <laughs> yeah, man. Can we get some tickets? <laughs> so it's nice, it's nice, you know, in life sometimes you have to fight against people's opinions of what you can do. And what You know, like you were saying about the careers thing. I remember the careers woman saying to me, uh, what do you want to do for a career? And I said, I want to be a singer. That's what I'm going to be. And she was like... Uh, you need to be a little bit more realistic. And I was like, yeah. I said, I've already got gigs like now. I'm doing three gigs a week now and I'm 15. And she was like, yeah, but that's like just now, you know, when you get older, you probably won't be doing that. So be more. And she basically just put in cardboard box factory. She was like, factory work. She was like, you'll be good at factory work. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously I could do factory work. Easy. Um, so, yeah. But, but isn't that terrible? I mean, I don't think that that would be encouraged or allowed even in schools no. now. No. And sometimes yeah. you just need that some, someone extra, like a friend or someone who tells you the right thing at the right time, you know, that you be, yeah. not because you need to hear it, but because it's true. Um, yeah, and also, I mean, saying to a 15-year-old girl or boy, what do you want to be when you're older? You know what? I don't know. It's a perfectly yeah, acceptable answer. Exactly. And, exactly, and they're not yeah. felt like they, they don't feel like they can say that. It's like actually, do you know, what? I'm 15. Don't really know myself. Doubt that I yeah. would in 10 years' time either. I always <laughs> you know? think they're like obviously when you're growing up, your brain's a sponge, so it's better to learn that. But I think that, that, that up till 15, you don't really care about school. It's the last thing you care about. Mm. You know, like education is important, but what I'm saying is maybe they should do it later. So like. You know, when you're 20, at A level, start doing your A levels at 20 because you start to know who you are then. You start to never figure out what you might want to do 
At 15, you haven't got a clue. You don't even know who you are yet. You don't know what you're capable of. You don't know what uh, you can be. You know, you don't know any of that. You just know who you are at that time, which is a mess. In that moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You're just trying to be cool to your friends. <laughs> I, you know, you and I both knew what we wanted to do at 15 by the sounds of it, mm. but a lot of people don't, and that's okay too. I think yeah. we put, you know, we hothouse yeah. kids now and they have to almost kind of arrive at adulthood fully but, formed and that's yeah. not fair. No, that is right, yeah. And I think sometimes in life there might be a moment or two or if you're lucky, three or four that come along in your life where that moment really counted for you being where you were at that time, you know. Um, so just because you haven't found it is what exact, you know, plenty of people find what they want to do later on in life. You know, I know people who have been, um, professional bankers or something like totally opposite to what you think they do and then they've gone into like I'm, I love motorbikes I'm going to go into fixing motorbikes I'm going to open my own motorbike shop custom yeah. made and why not and I've seen that so it's like as long as you stay true to your thoughts yeah but if you're expected to work into your 70s now which we kind of are um, your interest in life are going to change across those years from sort of 20 to 70. It's a 50-year span. Yeah, it's a long time. You should it? have different interests and like different bridge. appetites for things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still don't know what that is. There's time, James, there's time. <laughs> yeah, I'll, get, I'll, I'll, time. I'll, 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 I'll play bridge when I'll get some Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> also, not just a matter of time, let yeah. me tell you, especially for country squires. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's a pleasure. It's been it's been really interesting listening to, to where you're at and yeah, 15, 15 tracks supporting well 15 greatest hits. Congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Nice chatting with you. And say hello to the countryside for me. Go I will. Of nature. course, yeah, I will do. Of course, I will. And I'll step out onto the 8205 yeah, and yeah. some exhaust fumes <laughs> for yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Guess who's winning? You. <laughs> Oh, thank you. That's all right. No worries. Pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to White Wine Question Time this week. If you are in the mood for a little bit of James Morrison, you can download his greatest hits right now. As always, this show is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Gabriella Colasurdo, Richard Hatherall, and Libby Knowles for Yahoo UK. Our beats are provided by Andy Bell. And to those of you who have jumped over to rate and review us, thank you. I did the scary thing of reading them and it was surprisingly pleasantly lovely. So thank you so much. Keep them coming. We'll be back next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 